Welcome to the one within all to another episode of Interverse. And today we are going to have a fun one, a more casual, but yet very intentional chat with a great friend who hasn't actually been here on the main show for a while, but makes many appearances with us over on Vibrant. You all know him. You love him. The heathen, the wizard, the alchemist, Benjamin Ballerson. Extremely excited to get into this conversation today where it's my goal to learn a little bit more about my buddy here and how he went from whatever he started out as to this incredibly unique, rare creature before me here today. <laughs> and I have a lot to learn about the life, life and times and story of how, you know, Benjamin became Balderson. So there's going to be that. And then uh, in the introduction to his life, we'll also hopefully get to learn a lot about how one actually gets their, you know, feet off the ground with lab alchemy. Because I think that there's many, many out there listening that have a more than passing interest in the principles we talk about here and exalting the attributes of nature and learning how to do these things that allow us to actually make the medicine stronger from nature and avoid all the things that they call medicine in the mainstream that actually are just, you know, subscription model illness packages. <laughs> so there's a lot to dive into. I'm sure I'm excited about this one. Always super fun to hang with our friend. You can find him at Odin's Alchemy on Rockfin. Or if you're nasty, YouTube is uh, the same name, Odin's Alchemy. <laughs> Been on there a couple times myself. We got some great collaborations in the past, and I know this is going to be a really fun one. So welcome to the show, Balderson. How you doing, buddy? Hey, old chance. Freaking happy to be here, brother, and really excited to talk to you about this. Because uh, uh, the lab work is where the philosophy comes from, and it's understanding how things work in the lab that make so many other things you under start putting them in place and understanding them and i love the way your uh rap is uh setting off the all your uh colors and your background with your shirt and your chair and all that that looks really good oh yeah that's one of the awesome things that is an unsung attribute of you my friend is the wire wraps that you do and that's also a part of the conversation you know a few notes that i jotted down would be to talk about crystals some too but <laughs> I just want to let you take a rip at any of the things that I laid out and see what type of path we go down. 
Yeah, no, I'm super excited to talk to you about lab alchemy. Out in the out in the world today, alchemy, or at least the term alchemy, is super popular, um, and everybody's kind of throwing it around. And and a lot of times they're almost hitting the mark, but it's just that you know that quirk because they haven't done the actual alchemy where things start kind of getting sideways. Then, um, so you always want to start out basically with spagyrics. And this can get so sim- so cheap and simple that literally anybody at home can do it. We've got uh, Homie Romy, and everybody knows Homie Romy, and we all love him. Um, he's over there doing it with literally just a teapot, and I gave him a little pump. And it's a teapot, a copper teapot with a copper coil. Which So the basics of what you're going to – the most complicated part of what you need to do is the distillation. And in the distillation, you just need to be able to heat heat things up and vaporize them off, but then catch the vapor. It needs to be an enclosed system. So you use a teapot, and then you need to be able to get that vapor to turn back into into fluid. And that's what your coil is going to do is turn it back into fluid. So you want to immerse that just like an old copper still, uh, you know, for a moonshiner in the hills in Appalachia or whatever. You're, you're trying to cool that vapor back into fluid, and that's why you're just running it through them coils and ho- hopefully immersing them in some kind of a fluid. So you can do this with just a copper still that you're getting at uh, 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 one of the thrift stores that somebody gave up. It doesn't have to be anything special. And a little bit of coil that you pick up from a hardware store for 10 bucks, and uh, real easy to do. Um, so what you're going to do is you're going to take and, uh, a few different ways. One of the easier ways to do it is just take your plant material and soak it in some really good ethyl alcohol. Um, now the best way to do it is to make your own ethyl alcohol from the plant that you're doing the extraction from, which includes the fermentation of the plant, which you get a tiny little bit of oil, you get some oil from, um, but you can break the plant down either way. You you can use corn ethanol. That one's real popular um, where you get Everclear because the higher the percentage of the alcohol that you get, the more solvent it is. So this solvent thing is going to be a big key thing because when we're talking about mercury, that's what we're talking about is a solvent. And the solvent action is something we need to look look at. So what this alcohol is going to do is it's going to dissolve out the oil out of the plant. And so you're going to soak it in the oil for so long. Um, or you can take and put it in your copper pot in a, in a mix and you can, uh, put slight heat to it and it'll evaporate out with your water. So there's a few different methods that you can get, but the general idea is no matter which one you choose, is that you're going to separate out the oil from the plant material. Now, when doing that, as an alchemist, to do it best, you're going to grow your own plant and you're going to harvest it on a full moon, which is what we're having, you know, we just had. And so, like this morning, if you had some plants growing, you would have wanted to have been out there at like 5 o'clock in the morning. Before the sun hits them, that's when the plant is going to have the most oil because that's what you want. You're trying to get the extractions out of this plant. And so you're going to pull all that oil out and you're going to kind of set that aside. So now you had 
you started out with this beautiful plant that was a whole thing. And now you have this pile of basically mush that's sitting there and then this oil. So the mush, what we're going to do is we're going to put that most likely in a cast iron pot or some such thing like that. Maybe a stainless steel pot. If you have a fancier crucible, (coughs) maybe in a fancy crucible, but uh, cast iron pot works. And you're going to put that on some fairly extreme flame. And that's going to go through the calcination process. So the first thing that's going to happen is, and they call this the nigrado or the blackening. And so all the plant material, just like if you cook, overcook your dinner, it starts turning black. The plant material is entirely going to turn black. Same, same exact thing. Um, and what's going on is, is the carbon is literally coming to the surface. And that's all the carbon showing itself and coming out. And you're going to have to keep what you're going to want to do with your plant material is grind it up, stir it up, keep doing that. And you're going to keep that thing on the fire. And eventually that plant material is going to go from being a a dark black to a lighter gray. And you're going to keep turning it up and turning it up. And eventually it's going to go to a primarily a white. Now, when you're looking at the material, when it's under the flame, it's also going to go through a red and then a yellow because what's happening inside this uh, plant material is that the crystals are coming together. They're calcinating. You're, You're getting the cellular material of the plant out and you're getting the crystals together. And so after you've got this down to a fine white powder, you're looking like baby powder, basically. Um, you're going to go ahead and you're going to take distilled water. Now, water again is acting as a solvent. And so you're going to dissolve your water soluble components with this, with this. Now you use distilled water because if it's not distilled water, it already has mineral salts in it. And that's what, you know, we call them electrolytes or whatever. Um, and, and that's to help your body absorb it. It tastes better. Um, but in your experiment, at the end of it, the water is going to be gone and those salts, the ones that started out in the water are going to also be left behind. And you don't want that contaminating your experiment. So you're going to use distilled water, which once again, being distilled, it's more pure. It doesn't have stuff in it already. So um it's going to have more solvency. Because eventually, just like if you're making a a glass of Kool-Aid, water is acting as the solvent with the Kool-Aid. Well, you can only add so much Kool-Aid before it all just starts dropping right to the bottom because the the water's lost its solvency. It's reached its capacity and it's it's saturated. And now it's going to just release out anything you try putting in there and it's going to float down to the bottom. So the same thing applies to your experiment. You want to pull the most mineral salts out of the experiment that you can. So you're going to use the most solvent water that you can. The same as when I was talking about earlier with the alcohol, why Everclear is preferred because Everclear is such a highly, highly uh, uh, pure alcohol that uh, it's going to be extraordinarily solvent. And it is. Um then you're going to mix this uh, ash in this water into a slurry and you're going to filter that off. 
Okay. And you're going to keep running it through just usually a coffee filter. And it's going to take a number of coffee filters. It's going to clog them up because there's going to be quite a bit of ash material. And uh, until you get to a clear water again. And by that, and then at that point, you're going to go ahead and evaporate off the water and you're going to be Did left you behind use something bird. like, um, I just had a quick question about this part, the straining of the ash. Can you use something like a cheesecloth or cheese something? Cloth is there something good. reusable? Yeah. That's an alternative. Yeah. Um, the, the only issue with cheesecloth then is, is, uh, uh, you're going to want, if you're going with reusable, I'd use like a mesh micron, maybe a finer micron filter. What did the ancients um, use for this part? That's what I wonder. They didn't have coffee filters, right? right? <laughs> no, I wouldn't imagine that they did. I wouldn't imagine they did. But yeah, they must have been using some super fine uh, mesh cloth, uh, way finer than cheesecloth they would have to be because cheesecloth really is kind of kind of thick because when che- literally what cheesecloth is used for is when you're making the cheese – um, you put the way that in there and you squeeze it and the way separates out from the cheese, but the cheese kind of wants to curd itself together anyways. So that it doesn't really want to squeeze out of them holes. Um, cheese making <laughs> is alchemy. I'm glad that we're yeah. talking about it. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Cheney, the cheese is good. <laughs> I don't eat it actually currently, but I would try it from your A2s. For sure. I wouldn't be worried about the lactose intolerance that I otherwise have. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that that's commercialized anything. And this is part of why we're seeing uh uh what is the one with the bread? Um glute, uh, gluten intolerance and peanut intolerance, all these different things that all of a sudden just in the last couple of years you know, 15, 20 years, there's just this giant intolerance. Well, it's commercial ag doing that to everybody. And, and, that, the, same and the thing, cowpokes combination of yeah. things. Right. Um, so you're, you're going to want to get something a little bit finer. Like actually something like this works really good. Or this is stainless steel. And then you just run it through that, you know, like a Buckner funnel with something like that. Um, but either way, you're just draining out the ash material until you get to a nice clear water. Um, and then you're going to dissolve or uh, evap- uh, evaporate out the water and you're going to be left with a nice little pile of salt. And this is going to be the cell salts that were in the plant. So this is the purification of the body or the salt side. Now we're going to flip back over to that oil that we pulled out of the plant with the uh, alcohol. Now, we're going to go ahead and put that in the pot, and we're going to start distilling it out. So the first thing that's going to come back out is the alcohol, because alcohol, and this is one of the things when you're choosing a solvent, because it doesn't even have to just be water or alcohol. There, There's literally hundreds of different solvents that you can use to pull the oil out of the plant. When you're choosing that, there's a few different features that you're looking for is some some solvents pull more stuff out of the plant, like alcohol pulls all the chlorophyll out, uh, everything else. It's it's a real deep pull. Um, whereas like butane, uh, butane's only going to pull uh, certain plant oils out. It's not going to really pull the lipids out too much. Uh, it's not going to pull the chlorophyll out. Um, 
but either way, you're going to want your solvent to uh, evaporate much easier than the oil. Like butane, butane, you can evaporate that at negative temperatures. Uh, where alcohol, you got to add a little a little heat to it, but not too bad. Alcohol evaporates fairly easily, uh, especially like, ever. Circle back around at some point to evaporates at negative temperatures. Oh, yeah. Butane oh. is so so volatile right that that's what makes butane just a beautiful and it doesn't exchange carbons either that's one of the other weird things like when you when you put it into a solvent slurry sometimes you get some exchange of uh uh different components between the solvent and the uh what it's dissolving and you don't really want that uh so Butane's really good about not grabbing onto other carbons and things like that and doing a carbon transfer. Uh, but yeah, it, it will, it will, it will absolutely dissolve at negative temperature or uh, evaporate at negative temperatures. It's freaking awesome. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm all now thinking more deeply about butane for apparently the first time in my life, <laughs> but it's got to be a uh, hydrocarbon, right? Cause it's a fuel that's combustible. Yep. So hydrogen yep. and and carbon are what's going on with butane in terms of what it actually is. Cause I kind of always looked at it as one of those words that was practically like a copyrighted product or something name. So anyway, yeah. Butane, interesting yeah. compound. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that as a hydrocarbon doesn't exchange carbons. So it doesn't, and some of them do, some of these solvents do. And you know, that, that's not, sometimes it's okay. It just depends on the situation. Anyways, that's too, too much chemistry. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, some notes though, for some weirder questions later, for sure. <laughs> um, so you want your solvent to evaporate off much easier than the oil. So that way, when you go to do this process, the first thing that evaporates off is the, is the solvent and then that's gone. Now you're left with just the oil. <clears throat> so then from there, you're going to go ahead and crank up your heat a little bit because the oil is more stable than the solvent. And if you have a really fine system, now you can even do a fractured oil system where that's where you find out that like, uh, like in the cannabis plant, um, most people understand that there's THC, CBD and uh, terpene. And you can actually fraction these off according to weight because the terpene is the most volatile of the oils. And that applies to all plants. All plants have terpenes. And this is part of why you wanted to harvest that plant in the morning before the sun hit it. Because that terpene oil is extremely volatile uh, compared to other plant oils. Not compared to your solvent, not compared to butane, but compared compared to other plant oils. It's very uh, volatile and just the morning sun will make that that terpene level burn off really quick. And that's why if you're standing in your garden in when the morning sun hits your garden, all of a sudden the smells are like, wow, you know, just overwhelming and so fresh and beautiful. Um, that's your terpene level of oil actually burning off and entering your nose. Now, while we're talking about that, what happens when that terpene level uh, oh, hits your nose? Well, if it's food, your mouth starts watering, your stomach literally starts gurgling. You start preparing to receive food uh, in your system. 
it, it, this terpene level is opening all of that up. And so I just want to make that note quick and we'll circle back to that later. Um, but all that terpenes burning off, you're smelling it. It's super volatile. That's the first one that's going to burn off when you're uh, doing your uh, uh, slight move of your temperature. So ter- can I just say something ahead, about Jens. terpene? Yeah. Terpene, terpine. It's like you're mm-hmm. pining for something to eat. <laughs> terpine, you're pining. I don't know. Sorry yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you know you're you're immediately all them pathways just come screaming open and now you're 10 times hungrier than you were just a minute ago like you might not even been hungry and as soon as you smell them terpenes like on a food cooking or something that's something you like eating you're like oh my hungry um and that's that's these oils opening up these pathways uh because when we look at the overall scheme of things which we're going to do in just a minute Everything kind of has its own little job and those jobs work in, in symbiosis with each other. So then, um, you're going to go ahead and you're going to vaporize off these oils and you're going to catch them. Now, uh, after the terpene levels burnt off, if you just ever so slightly move the temperature up again, you can start separating out the oils. Or you can go with a higher, temp- a little higher temperature and it'll all come out as one whole unit, just depending on what you're trying to do. And even, even after that, you can actually take the separated oils and separate them into their four fractional, uh, elemental, uh, fractions. And then each, you know, then you got your fire fraction and your air fraction and, uh, uh, your water fraction and your earth fraction. And you can actually separate each of those oils into four, but that's, for more uh, more advanced stuff later. Uh, the basic stuff, you're just getting that oil out. Now, if you've done a whole lot of oil extraction, and this is one of the areas where I differ from a lot of the uh, uh, alchemists, so uh, of old even, they consider, a lot of them consider the alcohol that was from, that was the byproduct of the fermentation process of the plant material. So uh, they considered that to be the spirit of the plant. And then they would consider the oil to be the sulfur side. And so they would, cons- they would leave the alcohol in the plant. Now, for me, the, the uh, mercury level, which is what we're discussing with that, is the philosophical mercury or the solvent. Um, when you look at it, that has a positive and a negative side. Okay. So, uh, when I'm making the medicine, the alcohol negative side of mercury that took the oil out, it took away. Now what I'm left with after this process is the oil, which is the positive side. Now inside the positive side, if you do enough plant extraction, you'll notice that there's definitely a, uh, a life that is inside of this oil and this life will will age and actually kind of quickly um if you get the plant like the way i extract and this is part of where butane really really is an advantage so much because butane ex- will extract at negative temperatures and evaporate if you can freeze everything and rather than where 
like you were adding heat to like the way homie Romy's doing it where he's adding heat through the water and getting the oil and the water to rip out with the heat. This actually rips it out with cold and it's doing it at a negative temperature. So those volatile terpenes that we were talking about that burn off with the morning sun, they stay in the mix because it's all too cold for them to want to evaporate. Right. So you can actually do this while the plant is still alive. And when it's alive, the oil will have this like uh residual uh uh color in it that's basically almost like this almost like neon like even where the light is uh, is reflecting on it it's like that color it's wow, like wow so it has like a glow it's, to it yeah yeah it's like glowing i mean just screaming at you you're like wow now <clears throat> and as the plant ages like if you've let it dry out and cure, like a lot of people do for their extractions, because it's hard to get that oil to separate out of the water um, unless you've frozen the water. Uh, right. Um, but so they'll dry the plant out and let the water evaporate out and then try to preserve the oil and then do the oil extraction. So uh, when you do that, you'll notice that 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 bing is gone. Now, now it's more, it'll turn like more like this color, right? Maybe not so orangey because that's orange juice, but, uh, you know, more of a golden yellow, like, uh, egg yolky. It doesn't have that bing. And then if you let it sit around and, and sit, it'll start turning more of a reddish and then it'll end up turning black. And to me, that's the sulfur component actually inside of the oil because you can actually distill that out and the oil will still be completely clear. And so you can separate the life and the oil in and of itself. And that's because the oil is the positive or, or is the positive side of mercury, not the not the feminine or the, the negative oil uh, that is uh, ripped out. Oil or mercury gives and it takes. So like when we're looking at the way uh, the human body works, um, we operate off water a lot. Water is the mercury of this particular level. And the water's got the oxygen, which takes, and then the hydrogen, which gives. And the first thing you do when you take in the mercury is split it apart so the two sides can do their component activities, right? So the same thing applies to plant level. The uh, the alcohol that the plant produced was the negative side of mercury. The the oil was the positive side, and the sulfur is riding inside of the oil, which is the way it always works. Well, so the job of alchemy at this point then is to complete the alchemical marriage because we've distilled off all the other stuff and we've gotten down to this nice pure oil with this yellow inside of it and a lot of times like i said other alchemists will mix it back in with the alcohol and make a tincture i do not i take that uh and and, and i'm real glad to say this because i don't talk about this very often this part um i don't do that i only take the salt and the oil with the sulfur in it or that yellow bright bing component 
And I then alchemically married that. I put that back into my flask together without the alcohol because the alcohol was the negative component. I want the positive. I want things to go back together now, not separate apart. I do understand there is something to be said to putting alcohol in certain tinctures uh, because it spikes open the cell. And because that's what alcohol does, it's the negative. It takes away, it strips away that oil coating, it spikes that cell and makes it so things can get into it. But then again, that's a negative effect. And I'm not trying to do that right now with the alchemical marriage. And if I'm trying to treat somebody that's sick, the cells are already damaged. So this should be able to go in without that. Anyways, that's an aside. So Um, you're pulling the salt out of the uh, solvent. Well, the salt is in my, I'm going to take the salt that I set aside in that pile when we evaporated the water. And now we've got nothing but pure oil and pure salt. And inside of the oil is that yellow color. I'm going to put the salt, the salt back in to the oil, and I'm going to put that in a flask all by itself with no solvents anymore. Um, the, the, the oil is actually the solvent at this point because the oil is going to dissolve the salt. So I don't need alcohol for the high... Okay, and I think you're going to go, Cat <laughs> jumped on your mute button, of course. I think you're going to go over the steps and a little more summarized walkthrough as well. But there's kind of like two solvent processes going on. There's the water taking the salt out, and then there's the alcohol separating the oil, the the oil water, out of the original the oil plant. Out. Yes, and that's where it gets so confusing. And mercury is always the solvent. So when I'm saying right now, I'm if you're talking philosophically, you can replace the word solvent with mercury. Right. Because so that is the water or the alcohol. It's both. Right. Yes. Exactly. Why the mercury characters are often like Dionysus or Jesus as like lords of wine or doing things with wine. Yes. And, And making these transitions happen. And that's why Mercury's the messenger, why it's always uh, uh, the exchange. It's uh, the monetary system. Anytime something needs to go from point A to point B, whether it's a message, whether it's money, whether it's whatever, it has to happen through the Mercury, which is where the alchemical marriage comes in. Because now that I've put this, this oil and this salt together, the Mercury is now or the oil is acting as the solvent now and it's going to open that salt up and dissolve it now that yellow life that was riding inside the oil is going to go into the salt and enliven it and this is what frees the 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 chained souls in hell um that are chained to that block you know that crystal salt you know block like turning the black cube into the cube of light Yeah. Was so yeah. to the whole black cube thing, yeah. Yes, and so, and, but that has to happen so the, through the mercury. So it can the only salt, when it's carried through. to, is this? I mean, there's so much esoteric connection to what this process describes. But like, is this why? I have a couple of questions, but maybe often the heavens are said to be a cube-shaped city. Like, there's a book of, I think it's in Revelations, talking about the size and shape of the city of above and it's like a cube. So, you know, Mercury, the savior is taking the spirits to the cube. So the other thing is the oil would lose this life force quickly 
without being put into the salt. So, you know, it makes you wonder about so many things. Like, is that why our, (laughs) is that why our life force gets planted down here? So it lasts longer. So putting it in the salt basically preserves it, which is why the mercury is also the savior salvager type of idea. Yeah. Well, and it makes the two, it makes the two one because the, what you understand through the pro through this process is, is that, okay. Like when they, this one's funny. Um, so everybody knows uh, 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 the um, Pollux and uh, Castor, and everybody knows that Pollux is the great shining one, and Castor or, or Castor is the uh, uh, great shining one, and Pollux is the defiled one, and all this. But Paul is hit means hidden, and Lux means light, and they forget that part. It's Paul Lux, and so inside the salt. And this is part of why there's even uh, different uh, uh, esoteric things that talk about salt that's lost its savor or lost its life. There's actually a little spark of life in that salt, too. And so what the mercury's doing is, and, and we start understanding this electrically, that when electrically what's going on when you have an electron and an ion is it's actually a particle that's been split into two and makes a it makes a field in between the two splits of itself and so now we have a field energy between these two uh polarized halves of itself well only through the mercury which is where the field's able to exist is in the mercurial fluid only through the mercury can those two halves come back together and that's what we're doing and so that 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 negative side and that positive side were always one thing and through the mercury through the mercury we're putting them back together and making them one hi hi nope nope not on the keyboard naughty naughty um and making them one again you are naughty and just like (laughs) when it was a great kitty yeah yeah she's she's such a doll and 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 she's oh you're so naughty um her sister's up here her sister's up here sleeping well wasn't her biological sister but she's up here sleeping just she wants to go up and torture her and that includes stepping on the keyboards because that's you know a must (laughs) man i have so many okay so are you at a good spot for questions then yeah go ahead go ahead brother Okay, so the walkthrough, if you don't mind, of the steps we just described in their order, like this step and that, but also not just their alchemy names, but maybe their correlating chemistry name or like how you would say that if you didn't understand words like Negredo, just so we have kind of mm-hmm. like a a little walk through that again, because uh, I am totally learning this from a new level by actually getting it laid out in order. I really appreciate that. This is what I wanted. So yeah, I'm exactly. uh, wanting to inter- internalize this because I think maybe the idea of enlightenment might have something to do with being able to recognize what you're describing right now across all aspects of the fractal and see that it's all the same thing doing the same thing. Exactly, which is part of what my my whole presentation I'm working up about the whole sky about the whole luminaries and everything. It's because everything works exactly the same. That's what as above, so below means. And so as soon as you understand it 
here, you get to carry that all over the place and then start opening up the entire freaking universe. It's, it's awesome. Right. Um, so when you're looking at like now, when you're looking at the stages while you're doing that, and this is a, that nigrado is a classic term that, uh, uh, you see thrown around and it means the blackening. And the blackening is literally the carbon rising up. And, and what I like to liken that to as a person is, uh, uh, that when we go through personal trials and we think that that is over, like, uh, I just, like, I just broke some kind of a bad habit. Um, and I don't do that anymore. Well, the nigrado is just like that. And that's, that's the earthly things that you do and that's coming out. And when you go in and you go to, you think that, Oh, look that, that it's just all white and you go stir the pile. All of a sudden it's black again. You're like, how is that even possible? What? What? And and you experience that in life because you think that you're over some bad behavior that you used to do. And then as soon as somebody puts you to the fire and stirs the pot a little bit, there you are doing that, doing that again, you know, that behavior you thought was behind you. Um, you got, it's not burnt out yet. You just got to stir the pot, right? (laughs) That's hilarious, man. And really helpful actually to tie these steps back to life metaphors to describe exactly what I was saying, being able to recognize this throughout the whole fractal. And yeah, uh, (laughs) so that's kind of also practical advice too, to be aware that when you're on this step that you're going to be possibly fooled by it and don't, you know, stop passing it through the fire metaphorically until you're sure that it's really been, refined to the white interesting oh and i tell you what until you actually go do it you just don't get it it's like it takes so crazy long you're like man that was like a plant like this big and i've been doing this on a giant flame for like eight hours how is this still a thing i don't understand like like holy crap it takes forever to get that earth is burnt in it it really makes it stand out where uh they uh on these movies and stuff when they do like funeral pyres for a human being um i occasionally will also uh burn down animals that uh pass away on the farm and put the salt back into the farm soil um you know from this farm and there they go back to the farm so they can come back to the farm they will return back to this land then. And so I'll occasionally put, do this. And man, even like uh, Scotty had one of her puppies pass a few years ago and we went out and tried burning it. And it took so much burning. We had to re-pick it up and put it underneath more wood and more wood and more wood and more wood. And oh my God. Um, and you really learn this when you're doing that, like, like trying to burn that earth reaction. And, and like I said, what, what, what you can take that philosophically as is all these lessons that you've been taught by the earth, by this world that aren't your true, uh, you reactions. Those are so hard to get rid of. I mean, it's it, that that's the nature versus nurture type thing. There's it takes a lot of fuel. Born, yeah, lot. I like how maybe when somebody's in poor health, they need a lot more supplements at that time. But then once someone achieves a better balanced lifestyle and restored their health, they 
aren't going to really need supplements because it's all part of their natural diet cycle. Yes. Yes. So then you're going to go on to uh, uh, the whitening, which uh, is, uh, what is that? Uh, Nigrado. Albedo. 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 Um, And so then you're going to move on to Albedo, which is going to be the whitening. And the whitening means that you have burnt out the carbon of this of this world. So that's kind of like is, not its own step. That is just the attainment of the previous step in a way. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You can tell where you where you are in the process by the color. So the color tells you where you are. And now the carbon's gone, but we're not done yet. Because now, now we need to move on to the ye- to the reddening, and then uh, the uh, yellowing. And so, what's going on after you've burnt out the carbon is now we actually have these salt crystals, which were dissolved and all you know in a slurry, need to come back together and crystallize. They need to they need to structure back up and crystallize. And that's what the masculine side does is under fire, the masculine side comes together and, and, uh, becomes solid and stable. So we need to do that with it. We need to take and make that into itself. And that's what separates it from everything else and structures it up. So when you see, uh, the reddening and then the yellowing, this is very similar to, uh, if you go out and you, uh, have ever, uh, welded or used a cutting torch where you can see it starts glowing like a red and then when that metal's like screaming yellow that thing's that thing's on fire like you're ready to cut it you're you know uh that thing's hot and this is when the crystals inside of the ash are are screaming bright you know they're they're on fire and they're ready And so this is the bringing together of the masculine side. The masculine side comes together under fire. Now, then, well, we can also start out with the term, uh, uh, the dissolution was where we took the alcohol and separated the oil and the the body, which is the plant material, and the salt. And that was the dissolution process. Now over over here... um, we're going, we're going through the, uh, 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 calcination process. And so we're calcinating the salt down and getting rid of through the fire. We're getting rid of the materials that are not the purity of this plant, which is the mineral salts. The mineral salts are what's causing the structuring of the plant. And the rest of it is just water, oil or water, cellular material and carbon. And we want to burn those things out and give them back to the earth. They belong to the earth. Ashes to the ashes. And, you know, uh, the carbon, which is carbon, such a funny one, because carbon's actually solid on the, on this plane for the most part. You can get liquid carbon, but you get solid carbon and crystal carbon. But then you put it to fire and it ev- evaporates. You're like, that's crazy. That's not the way things work. <laughs> That's how you separate uh, masculine from feminine is understanding that the masculine side, when you put it to fire, it gets solid. And when you uh, 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 
the feminine, when you put it to fire, it evaporates. But uh, there's other characteristics, and, and carbon displays both of them. So carbon is actually the solvent or mercury of this level. It's what's caused. It's the middle of that whole setup because water is the high, uh, the cellular material is the low. <clears throat> cellular material is the same in everything. Carbon's the same in everything, and water's the same in everything because that's of this plane, and that's the things that are the impurities in you of this plane. So philosophically, same thing. The things we're burning out is the things of this plane that we have learned of this plane. That's not the purity of us. And we've gotten that down with the salt. Now we turn over to the other side and you will also notice on the other side, your extracted oil. When you first start doing the uh, 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 distillation process, on the oil, you're going to notice that uh, uh, the oil is a really nice bright oil. And as you get down and get down to the bottom of it, it's going to be a real nasty, nasty color. And you can take that even through a process because that's going to have like a, a, a life in it of its own. And you can ferment that and uh, use different components of that uh to process uh these other pieces um and make that make your own uh, mercury basically philosophical mercury out of the uh leftover of that and you'll notice that going through a color transition phase also but it's always what makes this philosophical mercury this uh, because because when you after you uh put it through like a fermentation process then it's going to have that byproduct that's going to separate the the oil and the life inside of there and it'll make that transition and those things happen and so you can get really refined with it and that's just you know the higher alchemy as you keep working it and working it you start well, hey, let's try this again, you know, and, and you can really start separating things down into super component pieces where most people in the simple alchemy, like what we're talking about, you uh, are just trying to get the sulfur and the oil separated and the salt separated and then enliven the salt with the sulfur and the oil and then give it, take it in as a medicine or as a something like that, which I wanted to state, um, <laughs> Look at Jacques right now. He looks like an octopus. Yeah. It's great. Um, they farm shenanigans all over the time. People have no idea some of the things I have to keep a straight face through. Um, <laughs> that go on out my window here. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, one of my contentions about the alcohol, where so many people consider that the spirit and want to leave that in, it is plant spagyrics or plant alchemy is just the easiest level to work on um but it's not that does not mean that it uh it doesn't match all the other levels so if i am going to uh the metal level the and working on metals the what acts as the alcohol or the solvent in the metal is acid and so would I put acid and, and at the end of the metal alchemy, I, there's a product that I can eat that I can ingest through the process. Yeah. That's where Ormus, things like that are coming from. So would I put acid back in there? 
No, that's insane. Nobody's going to ingest acid. What are you talking about, man? Um, you know, so uh, why would it's I brave leave? enough to be like able to trust that you got the acid out <laughs> before you yeah. consume it? Oh, yeah. So many washes. So many washes to try and make that to make sure that you've gotten all of that out, especially when you're talking about like if you're breaking down gold, because to break down gold, you use this mix of hydrochloric and sulfuric acid. That's like extra acidy acid, <laughs> you know, like, whoa, it's got the punch. And, you know, that's what you're using. You do not want any leftovers of that in a product that you're eating. Absolutely not. No, then the product will be eating you. Yes, yes. So why on the plant level, as above, so below, would you leave the solvent used to break down the prima materia in the product? I see, man, I'm totally with you. I was not, I've never done this before myself, you know, and I I have a lot of friends that are creating tinctures and medicines. No, 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 I know, but. The other my, side. <laughs> what is occurring to me right now is that like you have a really strong philosophical reason for preaching this and you're not just saying like this is how I do it but you're maybe putting it out there for others that practice this with their herbs or anything that maybe not to do that because here's why I mean this is a spiritual practice for you while you're making these compounds here's a you know experienced opinion about why to do it this way, even though it's not the popular way, or maybe it's like a little bit of extra work. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like your evan- alchemy evangelism right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get my, uh, get my uh, preacher, little preacher's outfit on, get my beard all combed up. <laughs> um, so uh, you, uh, And I want to encourage people to try this and understand that the alchemical marriage, and if you read this in the text, is to to enliven the salt through the sulfur. or uh, The sulfur passes through the mercury into the salt and enlivens the salt. So if if that's the action, the mechanics of what I need to happen, go put the oil in the salt together. That salt is oil soluble. In fact, we know this when we're looking at nutrition. We understand that we need to take in different oils in order to open up the plant minerals in order to make them soluble for us to to take in. We know this. So we understand that the, the solvency is happening, that the salt is being opened up and now the sulfur transfers into the salt uh, through the mercury. That that's the action we're trying to require, and and, and that's no alcohol or solvent needed for that. Right, right. The oil is actually the solvent that's already already present. Why are we trying to put an extra solvent in there? And from my perspective, a negative solvent because I see alcohol why that's is tricky. Actually- because you know this mercury character is changing his identity in every step. Yes. So you forget, yeah. you know, people have forgot uh, mercury is here. He's just this now he's now the oil. You don't need to leave, you know, you don't need to bring the old mercury in. That's the old mercury. Exactly. That's the negative mercury. We don't want him around. We want the positive mercury around the giver instead of the taker. The alcohol took and ripped things out. Now we want this nice oil side that's going to give back. 
And now it's going to give this sulfur over into the salt and make this super nice exchange that that's going to happen. And when we do that and put that under a little heat and stopper the top of the bottle and put it under some mild heat because you don't want to turn that oil. We all know that oil turned, it never comes back. It won't do its job no more. That woman has been scorned. She's never going to be happy with you ever again. Ever. Evaporated. <laughs> yeah. As yeah. In like, poof, she's leaving you. Yeah, exactly. It's never coming back. Uh, so you need to be real nice with it. And you, uh, that while you wait for that salt, salt to open up so that sulfur can pass in and the two can become a marriage. And then that coagulates. This is the coagulation coagulates and now when i remove the stone these two things will be one and and we'll notice that this is very similar to cooking like if if you're cooking like let's say you're mixing in uh uh some sugar or some salt into your uh, uh little mix of like butter or whatever and you can see that it goes from like grainy where the salt's kind of it's in there but it's not really uh actually mixed into one thing and you got to sit there and wait and wait for it to clarify and lose that graininess. You're going to see these same things happen when you're, when you're performing the alchemy, you'll see where that salt is not really quite open. It's got a graininess to the, to the oil look like these two things still kind of are separate and you got to wait for that sep for them two things to open up, you know, and develop the relationship and open up for each other. And then once that happens and then the magic transfers through and now they're one thing in a marriage, you know, that, that takes a little bit of time. You got to have that courting period, right guys? You got to court it for a little while, you know, let that, let that simmer and happen. Um, and then now that the two things are one, before this, like I explained, the masculine side under fire actually comes together and stabilizes and becomes solid. The feminine side rises and evaporates under fire. That leaves. And so we have one that's basically going to sink and one that's going to rise. And the mercury is what was tying these two things together. and as a, a a thing well now that these two are tied together in what's called the stone the philosophical stone of whatever plant you're working on doesn't matter what plant it is same thing the stone of lilac uh you know because you did it on lilac whatever when i take and i put as, as the plant as my stone is sitting there as as the name would imply it's a stone it's hard it's uh, going to sit there acting very masculine, especially as opposed to an oil, which runs, um, does things like that. As soon as I apply heat to it, it immediately acts feminine and the salt will evaporate with the oil. That's how you know these two things are completely married. The salt will now leave with the oil. So now it doesn't matter what I do to this anymore. These two things are locked together like the phoenix. And if it gets things get funky, let's say I get I, I accidentally dump dirt on my experiment, I can go ahead and throw that back in the distiller and I can just throw one heat to it. The, the whole thing will distill will evaporate off. 
get caught over in the other side and be there. And as soon as I pull it away from the heat, there's my perfect little stone sitting there. Just, just like it ever was. All it takes a little bit of fire. Wow. So you would actually like be able to clean it in a sense Yeah, <laughs> that way. Yeah. Absolutely. Just takes a little bit of fire and all of a sudden it's back to its perfect self again. <clears throat> That is so fascinating. It's got me thinking about all kinds of stuff like ascended masters that have perfected their alchemy of their being and can like evaporate and reform somewhere else. <laughs> like, is this how teleportation yeah. works? Because in a way, you're kind of like uh, teleporting it across the laboratory there. It's super interesting. Yep. Exactly. And then the very... uh the very last thing that uh, Odin whispers to Balder uh, when he's dying, uh, as Balder lays on his deathbed, he whispers the secret of fire. Nobody knows exactly what that is, but he whispered to him the secret of fire. Yeah, and it's interesting because they're blended that it goes through that evaporation process but doesn't lose its memory. Exactly. Which is which normally is not what, what happens, happens to us whenever we evaporate, you know, like people die. There's that idea that their soul floats up or whatever their spirit floats up. But then, you know, they run into and, that fairy man, which is the Mercury, Charon, Chiron, all kinds of different names that are fascinating links back to other mercurial and, deities. And why, yeah, why did you lose your memory? Why? Because you separated from your salt. The salt is where the memory is. That's the stable side where things are remembered. That's wisdom. So wisdom's your lower salt side. And then thought and spirit, that's your upper side. And those two things got separated and, and disconnected. Your salt, your salt sank. If a plant dies out in the field, it does the same thing I did to it alchemically. The first thing that's going to happen when the, when the plant dies is the water's going to evaporate out. Then the oil is going to evaporate out. Then the carbon is going to start releasing and the plant's going to release out its carbon. And then the cellular material is going to break down until the salts get released back into the ground. Now the oil is going to rise up and then go fall and it's going to land on some more salt and hit that salt. You're going to have the, the uh, conditions to have that plant again, but it's because that break happened and you left your memory behind that was in the earth. That's, that's in the salt side. So as an alchemist, we're forcing the salt in the, in the, uh, sulfur back together. So now the thought and the memory are one. They aren't two. They're one. This is really fascinating. <laughs> I have a lot that I'm going to want to dig into question wise when we get over to the second hour. Um, and yeah, I tried hard to get minutes. all the alchemy part into the first hour here. <laughs> no, that's okay. We'll just get deeper into the philosophy because what this is now unlocking in my mind is like, how can the, how this can teach us about potentially the after death process we go through spiritually, you know, like right. that you losing your memory is what causes reincarnation. That kind of explains a lot in terms of why people have certain opinions about the afterlife or after death process that they maybe don't even know where they got their ideas, but eventually it goes back to somebody was like, okay, how would this work in an alchemical way? Because everything is alchemical. Exactly. 
Exactly. The philosophy comes from the lab. And once you actually get the lab, all of a sudden the mechanics of all these woo-woo ideas start actually opening up and becoming real. And that's where you start having actual faith in them because now you believe it's real. It's not some woo-woo. It's real. I saw this happen in the lab. It's the way it works. Brilliant, man. Well, that's why I wanted to get it better in my own mind (laughs) and have you teach it for all of us. This is great. So tell people where they can um, find you coming up. I know you have an event to announce that you'll be at shortly. So tell them where your stuff's at, what you're excited about with your current work and, you know, where they can possibly come meet you later next month. Absolutely. Yeah. So the live event that I'm going to be speaking at is Flattoberfest put on by Karen B. Everybody go ahead and go check that out. I'm going to be putting on a demonstration about tying the the larger world into the as above, so below. So like I just did with spagyrics and made the plant understandable and started tying that to the upper levels, I'm going to bring these upper levels down to us and show and show people how that works exactly the same. So once you start having the grasp of these smaller ideas, you can grasp the bigger and really get into the fun stuff, right? And I'm going to be displaying all of that um, at uh, Flattoberfest. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Everybody come on down and hang out with us. You can't beat a live event. And I know everybody's been sitting there because of the because of the coof they've been wanting to uh, get out and actually be amongst other humans and interact with them and exchange energy with them. And you just can't beat it. Come out and do it. Uh, I'm Benjamin Balderson on YouTube or Rockfin. Uh, you're only going to get that first hour just like Chance on YouTube and just like Chance on Rockfin. You can go ahead and get the entire show. Um, and Rockfin allows us to to say all the things that YouTube enjoys censoring. And even uh, most recently, they've been very censor heavy. That Every time you come up on a political uh, cycle, all of a sudden channels disappear, uh, uh, episodes get pulled. I just got a copyright strike on my episode. So yesterday, uh, because I played Danheim, the band's uh, song at the end of it, and it even says on my strike that it's allowed to be played on YouTube. I have an email from Danheim personally saying that I can use their songs on my show. So the, like, this isn't, this isn't even an issue and they're still, uh, playing whatever games they can. So come on yeah, over they can to rock me out at any time. That way I use other people's music all the time. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah they can yeah. monetize this. I don't care. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's horrifying. So it's Benjamin Balderson's Odin's Alchemy. Come on over to Rockfin. I know YouTube is so easy to use, but they make it that way. That's why it's the poison. The poison's always easy to take, right? Just like corn syrup tastes awesome. You know, I like, like, I like the way candy bars taste too. Like, that's just a fact. Like, but that, the poison always tastes good. <laughs> um, so come on over and, and, and actually support what you love. Uh, come on over and check it out. Chance is over there. I'm over there. So many of the other people that everybody likes is over there. Or I'm on all the different podcast apps, uh, things like that. And I think on Odyssey, uh, Jared, my producer, does all that stuff. He is he is the best. So uh, come on down and meet us. Uh, come over and join the show. We appreciate everybody supporting and love all you guys. Well said, my man. Yeah, and hail Jared awesome dude he's got conspiracy cinema on odyssey his own show 
if you guys want to go check that out, I have an episode where me and Mario Garza of Symbolic Studies talk to Jared about 2001 A Space Odyssey. And it was my first time ever even seeing the movie. So that was a good time. But yeah, Ben, we'll talk to you on the second hour. Thanks for being here. This has been extremely enlightening, like in a literal way. Thanks for tuning in. What an incredible one. Guys, I have been following Benjamin Balderson for a couple of years. I love his work. I love his Odin's Alchemy podcast. I love hearing him on other podcasts. Like he's done tons of episodes of Crow Triple Seven where he really gets into this stuff. And what is incredible about today's conversation is after all the alchemy study that I've done, and I when I say study, I mean that loosely. Like I'm more into the words and astrotheology and the principles of alchemy. I knew, you know, a lot of the vocab words and I knew the gist of it or like sort of the philosophical rhetoric, but understanding the process in a practical, like how it's actually done way. (laughs) I didn't grasp it the way that I do now. I super appreciate Benjamin coming on and giving us his research in such a deep and complete way and the guy has clearly put in incredible amounts of actual real world effort to make his understanding able to be distilled down into a crystal clear transmission like we got today and Ben himself told me this was his best alchemy interview he's ever given so that makes me really happy that we get to land that on Interverse on our community I think this is one people ought to probably, and myself included, I will be going back and reviewing from time to time just to make sure that I really get the principles in the best way possible. Man, there's so much. There's so much. So first of all, if you want to hear the second hour, you know the drill. Rockfin, Patreon, either one will work. You can get the $5 a month Patreon version, $10 a month Rockfin version, but the Rockfin version, of course, gets you access to all the other creators who put premium content on Rockfin, including Balderson, who, by the way, he only does the first hour of his Odin's Alchemy on YouTube, and the second hour is reserved for Rockfin. But if you make a Rockfin account, you can actually... I don't even think you need an account to do it. He doesn't actually charge for the second hour on Rockfin. It's not, like, tagged as premium. So just... You can catch everything he's doing for free still, And if you've never used Rockfin, that would be a good reason to do it. In fact, if you subscribe to Rockfin through Benjamin's channel, you'll be sending him the $10 donation, which actually goes to his awesome producer, Jared. That's how he pays Jared. And then you'd still be able to access the second hour of this conversation, the premium content from other people that we know and love. So there's like, yeah, it's a really great system because we all get to sort of rise together over on that network and i hope you guys do check out the second hour because man if you weren't already fascinated by the flow that we were in in the first dang so another thing that i before i get into like what was in the plus extension i want to make a disclaimer if you remember from the uh the introduction i was like yeah we're gonna get into benjamin's personal history and like how he actually got into doing this where he started and you know I'll be honest, that whole aspect of the introduction and how I set those intentions was kind of coming from a place of like, 
I don't know if we can fill two hours with the, the whole alchemy tutorial aspect of this or the philosophy. And I think that was coming from me feeling deficient in my understanding of the, of all of it. And so I didn't really know the breadth and depth that Benjamin was going to take us through. So we did not get into his personal history or his thoughts on crystals or his time in life when he actually had a crystal shop, because I'm pretty sure he did. So just disregard that part of the introduction (laughs) and know that it was me not really being fully sure that we were going to fill the two hours. I had no idea. I mean, I knew that we'd be getting gravy, but I had no idea the depth of the gravy that would be ladled this time. Incredible. I learned so much, like a lot of stuff that I already had in my mind, pieces and parts really came together. And in a very alchemical way, I feel like that whole process of the synthesis or marriage happened in my consciousness for this convo. My mind is still blown, even though I did this a few days ago. It's been echoing through everything I look at and I'm seeing the reflection of this alchemy process in all the different realms of life. Yeah. And I'm really happy to have this knowledge. It's going to serve me well and serve all of you well going forward, especially in some conversations that I have planned coming up for the show where without this understanding, we might not be able to see how and why nature does things the way it does. That is the real benefit of philosophy is like natural law. It isn't natural law because somebody in some higher dimension or some creator being was like, these are the rules and you got to follow my rules. I'm starting to see it as like what makes philosophy, philosophy or wisdom is that we're distilling down to the principles of how a reality not only does work, but must work. I say philosophically, but like the entire principle of alchemy is, in my opinion, a necessary result or a necessary description of why there can be something out of nothing, why there is existence at all. You know, that gets pretty deep, but I'm starting to see like the laws of nature or natural law being a necessity, as in this is just how things would work. In in the yin and yang sense of like something and nothing coming together to bring us a, a manifest reality. It's I, I need to really work on that rhetoric and help myself out, maybe do some writing so that I can explain that better. But maybe you guys get what I mean. You know, it's not like somebody decided the rules. It's like this is what it has to be for us to have experience. And that's it just is. It is what it is. <laughs> maybe that's why you get the name Isis is is for the uh, creatrix goddess or whatever. So, okay, I need to tell you guys about what's in the plus extension. One of the most worthwhile plus extensions you'll hear in a long time on any podcast with a uh, paywall. So we got into some more real world examples of the alchemical principles as they reflect across the nature fractal. Oh yeah, rockfin.com slash interverse, patreon.com slash interverse. That's how you get this. Obviously links in the show notes for all that. Uh, Benjamin gave us some uh, better explanation of the Emoto research on water. If everyone's probably heard by now, I think it gets around the uh, work on freezing water and looking at how sound and intention and words were changing the shape and geometry of the ice crystals of water. He explains that better through alchemy and kind of takes it a step further, which is really cool. Uh, We talk about the great work 
what is the great work that gets referred to all the time? This is the alchemy of the human being of our inner alchemical marriage that will allow maybe us to transmit through the death process, our memories and our, our self, our consciousness. And this is mind blowing because I'm starting to see how that reflects in like uh, the birth process. I kind of see the realm as a womb and maybe like reality as wombs within wombs. And like when you die, you're actually going through a womb portal, going through a, another, another Yoni into another reality and how you get there. If you do come through with your actual memories, maybe it's like akin to the fact that only one sperm out of all the sperm actually does that and transfers its salt or its memory to the genetic code of a new baby. I don't know. We got into, but on that, on that note, we got into some deeper gnosis about the after death process and also the great alchemist or architect of the cosmos, uh, whatever that may be. <laughs> we talked about the quickening of your flow state, synchronicity and manifestation from thought into reality as a indicator that the great work has become, you're, you're getting underway on the great work in this lifetime. And then this is one of the best parts of the whole thing. Benjamin and I in the past, we haven't been at odds, but we've kind of had a failure to understand each other's perspective when he's talking about alchemy and talking about the symbolism and archetypes like Mercury and the sun and the moon. And I'm talking about astrotheology. And in this conversation, we reconciled that and actually came to a realization of how perspective dictates which one of these lenses we're looking at any of the luminaries through like the sun. And so we merged this alchemy and astrotheology symbolically together in a way where both make sense and fit into the same understanding of cosmos. That, that might've been the greatest part of this whole conversation for me was to actually like bring those together and, you know, really syncretize our perspectives in a nice way. We talked about the great work of remembering the ancestors, how Ancestral memory, ancestral connection is like the macro of the individual's ability to retain their memory after death. And then a bit about alchemics, which is the economy, the alchemy of the economy and of money systems. But he gave it to us from the Odinist perspective, which I really love. And then also an amazing flow in Benjamin's perspective about like the void and the pleroma the nothing and the everything and his ideas about like the I am principle in reality and how there's like the first I am and the second I am. This is like a, a more practical view of Gnosticism in a way he's not coming from that school of thought, but Gnosticism in the, in my opinion, fallen in modern corrupt interpretations talks about how the reality is a copy and thus fake or a simulation or a matrix. and you know, I don't agree with that, but Benjamin's perspective on the I am and how there's two versions of it or two, two centers to it, you know, the one that you start out as and then the one that you can get to. <laughs> and then the one is the all and one is the void and they're mirrors of each other. I really liked it. So there's so much in this conversation. Please support Benjamin over at Odin's Alchemy. Uh, support us here at Interverse by us. I mean, just me. <laughs> Consider getting yourself a biofield tuning. You know, the sound therapy stuff I do is extremely powerful. And the more I learn about alchemy, the more I see that it's actually alchemy of your energy field that we are 
carrying stuck memory in the energy field in a mercurial way and bringing it back into center and merging it with the oil, if you will, of your flow of the flow of your body and your, your chakra system. Really cool. And if you love Balderson, another place you can get more of them is, is weaving spiders. They are at weaving spiders webs. I have not been able to get on there lately because I've been keeping myself quite busy with other side projects and I, I love those guys and I'll get back in there soon, but uh, really trying to uh, buckle down and get, get done with this next audio book, which is Dylan Sikosio's fourth book, a God's acre for winds of the soul, which I recommend getting and reading right away. And then listening to the audio book later to help you uh, crystallize the knowledge. But yeah, he's been on fire lately as well. I'm super excited for his fifth book, which is coming probably pretty soon. He and I have had a lot of mind blowing realizations over some text messages about, you know, the keys of syncretism and language that he has provided to me and how I can actually find consistency and correlations to the, uh, the keys that he's provided without in things that he didn't even notice. So it kind of proves the validity of the syncretic system when the consistency, which is the hallmark of truth is all throughout it. So, uh, the other thing, of course, I got to tell you guys about music and sky that's coming up in a month. It is not too late to get tickets and, that is going to be in Cuyama Valley, California. It kicks off on October 13th. Music and Sky is Alpha Vedic's. Uh, it's related to Alpha Vedic. Mike Winter, the co-host producer of Alpha Vedic, is putting it on. And it's going to be amazing. Tons of music. Healers. I'm going to be there, of course. My uh, tuning guru, Eileen Day McCusick, is going to be there. Lots of renegade doctors that are outside of the mainstream medical model, but trained in it. And able to like really teach us about what's wrong with that and what's right with a more holistic approach. All kinds of people like that are going to be there. Soul Family Tribe Reunion. And Mike just told me that they actually waived the whole car pass fee. So now going to the festival, it's actually, you know, even less expensive than it would have been. I don't think the car pass probably cost a lot, but just wanted to throw that out there. You know, (laughs) now's the time. Now's the time to get a ticket. And you can use the coupon code CHANCE50 and check the link in the show notes, of course, for a link to buy the ticket. If you're anywhere close to California or Southern California and you can in any way swing this trip, or even if you're not close, I'm flying. Let's do it. Let's all go. Let's all meet each other there. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for Music and Sky, guys. Uh, (laughs) Seriously. Okay. So hit me up if you want to do a tuning or read some cards together chance at interversepodcast.com you can go to my website find the sound healing tab if you want more information or check out a group healing that i've done and put out for free in videos and i'm going to play or I'm, i would have already started playing the music so the music you're hearing behind me this is the weight of words by kaya project head flux is the remixer of this track hope you enjoy it in the outro here and i'll catch you guys on the next one much love i love you guys so much and thank you for being on this journey of the great work of the alchemy of the human being and i'm glad that we're all doing it and maybe in the whatever incarnation is beyond this we'll all retain our memories and be partying there in a the healthiest most fun way possible okay uh yeah much love guys talk to y'all later bye bye <laughs>